Merson has scored it. the legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now, Vinnie Perth is with us. Vinnie, good morning to you. How are you? Morning. How are we all doing? You were uh, comparing your, your uh, snooker record there with young Shane. Yeah, I had a misspent youth in snooker clubs. Um, there was a time where there was loads of them in Dublin now. Mm. You really struggled to find a, a snooker club unless you're an anorak. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, actually, play, we played an FAI Cup final in 2018, and Pat Huben is plays league snooker and that in Dundalk. So, so that's a high level. Yeah, so uh, it'd, be, it'd be really good. But I played them um, the morning of the final in, we were staying in the Radisson, so that's Ken Dartley's practice room. Mm. Amazing room. St. Helens, yeah, yeah. Uh, memorabilia and all that stuff. Just an amazing room. A lot of Manchester United stuff. But I remember uh, myself and Pat played one frame, and I beat him, and... To say Stephen Kenny gave out to me when he found out, <laughs> it was hilarious, and and everyone was you know in the background chuckling away, and he was like proper giving out to me. What the f- <laughs> did you do, David? Come find you. Should have let him beat you know. So it was good fun. Put the uh, hex on Hoban, yeah. Yeah, how did we play? still? We, well, we still won the final, so forget how Pat played. That's <laughs> yeah, that's not important. It's irrelevant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you know Pat lose and doesn't come kindly to him, you know. All so. right, so you ruined his day. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. one frame, but you'll take it. It was just one frame. It wasn't It wasn't a great frame either. And and the championship pockets are so tight like that. <laughs> it was really difficult. Different size, of course. Different, different. Uh, so what's your record break? Uh, I broke 50 a couple of times, so 67. I wouldn't be shy about telling people. But, right, not um, bad at all. Yeah, but I gave it up. I, I Honestly, I think my wife, you know, the butt of the queue, threw out the butt of the queue once. Just threw it out like, and never ever really played again. Is there again. more to that story that you want to tell us? No, 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 no. It's not a Tiger Woods moment. I don't like it. So, so. Uh, and once that went, you just couldn't. I just couldn't play. Picked yeah. up a different cues and this, just this, couldn't. This happened to Stephen Hendry. Like literally, it was the end of his career. It's so, mad. So now my challenge is breaking ninety in golf. That's me, me new thing now. So obviously, as you get older, your your priorities change. But breaking ninety in golf is now right. Yeah, now my challenge. Are you close? Yeah, uh, but. 93, 94 Ooh. recently Damien Delaney would um, would probably tell you I'm over 100 but no uh, I'm close <laughs> to 93 now. Damien Delaney is just ridiculous at golf by the way is just he ridiculous yeah? like down to three or four is he he's one of them you know when you play with someone who's too good it actually takes enjoyment of it yeah he's down and play, I think he's playing off one is he already just like, okay I'm going to play off these white tees back here lads I'll see you in a minute type of stuff you know? yeah 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 just, yeah. just rubbing it in yeah, it's yeah. annoying Shane, you've been uh, curiously silent on your record break. No, I'm I'm not a, a great snooker player at all. Like I, I love I love playing it. Watch, I'd say my highest break is maybe early thirties. Like I'm I'm not a consistent player whatsoever. I do have my own cue, so I, I walk in with this uh, case, take it out, assemble the cue together, and then right. and then like proceed to play crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm all I'm all talk, I'm all show. But sure, listen. I'll get there someday. Someday I'll break fifty, Vinny. Um, you were watching Liverpool last night before we talked to. Yeah, you know, I, I obviously watched both games, and sadly I watched Liverpool after the uh, Arsenal uh, City game. But um, Liverpool fans will, and I know you have a lot of them listening. They were exceptional last night. I know they've had a couple of different moments. Obviously, go back to Charity Shield or against Arsenal, but. Um, he started Diego Jota who's been brilliant over the last few weeks but it looked like it was his third game sort of come back from injury took him off he brings on Luis Diaz 
and he was exceptional as well when he came on. Right. Uh, Thiago came on, uh, Nunes came on, and you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, this is this is sort of what you expected. This and and yeah, but it's also. Uh, the rebuilding has begun, you can see, in this Liverpool side. There's obviously still a couple of things defensively. Jean Matip was, was very good at centre-half. and We've obviously seen Trent playing in midfield. We've seen a little bit of that. But um, I shot this one, big, big Liverpool fan, and he was like, well, they still gave away chances. They've always given away chances. They've, like, the, the full-backs are always f- a little bit too far forward for most people. Uh, but uh, they're so dominant as attacking force, a uh, gap. Gakwo has got a good goal mm. from outside the box but he's starting to find a bit of form and I'd say there's real hope for this Liverpool team um, when you strip back all of the noise and that comes around and the, the pylon that jumps on and when you look at the run-in you know it's it's a long shot because Newcastle and United have stolen the march but they, they've got a lot of winnable games and I think that's five on the bounce or Right, something like that. So, because all I saw uh, was the last few minutes where Moyes is storming onto the pitch and you know giving it the yeah uh, about the penalty, and then you see the penalty and it's like, well, uh, it's not, it didn't really look like a penalty. Yeah, and I, I think, and I often find with David Moyes teams, and I've seen this when they were trying to break in Champions League against the top sides. I always feel he never goes for it. He didn't. They didn't go for it last night. Liverpool were really dominant, particularly in the second half. Um, Fabinho, Henderson, Curtis Jones played really well, and again. Curtis Jones a good example of, of a player that hasn't looked good enough for Liverpool but when the team are playing well yeah. it's very easy to look good good enough for Liverpool when you're just one cog in that wheel but yeah the, David Moyes went, went as you could see bananas over the penalty decision uh, but but it was only the last couple of minutes where they really um, West Ham had a, had a bit of a goal but, and again it, it will mean a lot to Klopp they went 1-0 down came back and won 2-1 um, so, so that that will feel important to him, yeah. and, and and the manner in which they done, as I said, they could have done it by a lot more. They were very, very good, and um, as I said, a lot of Liverpool listeners, I'd imagine, and they'd be a lot might not seen the game, but there was a lot of uh, really good stuff from Liverpool last night. All right, so not done yet. Uh, let's let's talk about the uh, League of Ireland Premier Division. Bows at the moment have a five point lead over Derry City. Shamrock Rovers are up to third now, which we kind of expected. Um, they've turned it around in terms of results. And it looks like it could be pretty exciting. Yeah, I think we're starting to see a bit of shape to the league when you look at in terms of position of people. There will obviously be a couple of teams, maybe like Dundalk, who who could go either way for them. But you're starting to see um, sort of the shape in the league, as in the top four. Uh, you'd expect it, probably not that way around. But but the challenge now is 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 this Bowles team capable of winning the league? I think that's the real big questions for people um, when. And and that will be tested. And I think this weekend they've got toys where you could say, yeah, they could they could go and win them toys. So um, it's another back to back weekend. Back to back weekend, which are usually important for for teams trying to win the league. I keep saying saying to you here that I think the performance of uh, Rovers will will be a bit like Man City. They'll, they'll come like a steam train and probably win it. But um, for balls, it's a huge opportunity. Sometimes in a season, uh, every so often it comes that way, like UCD away and Cork at home. I mean, that's the it, bottom two. For bottom two. And sorry, yeah. yeah. And, and if they win both of them games, you're in 30 points after what 13 games. That's exceptional start. That's league winning form. And you would think that they've got the finances in place to strengthen the squad and back the manager. And with Pat Fenlon working in the background, I'm sure he's already working on different players that they've, they'll spot most likely from outside of the league. So, um, do I think they'll do it? No, but. Um, 
but hey, stranger things have happened and they've had an exceptional start and you, you know at that club there's been a huge sort of buzz off the pitch but if you add what they're doing off the pitch and onto the pitch as well it can be a really exciting time around Daly Mountain um, yeah I think uh, huge credit must go to to, to Declan Devine but also I think people um, and sometimes it gets lost in, in a bit of social media noise but Keith Long has left them a lot of good young players coming through a lot of people have made a lot of appearances and um, and to be fair they've kicked on Are Bowes Arsenal in this scenario? Or Shamrock Rovers Man City? I know you've been saying Rovers are coming but um, can, Ro- can Bowes hold them out? Um, For a significant period of time at least to make it interesting yeah, I suppose that isn't that the challenge. I'm not sure. I honestly, I'm unsure. Um, I I think they're probably. I th- I feel like they're short of what needs to be done. Um, but I'm, I'm mainly on defensive areas. But if they can strengthen that, as I said, get to the window with any sort of a lead, I think they'll have to finance to strengthen that. So the the key for me is. Um, they haven't played well up and dropped, for example, the other day and still won. And they've had a couple of results like that. And, and also the, the, the couple of games they've lost, they've went and backed them up with wins the following week. So they've showed, like, they've showed a good, again, I hate that lazy word of mentality, but they have showed a good mentality. Um, young lads like, whether it's McManus or Clark coming in and out of teams, swapping and changing them. And um, like we said pre-season, uh, myself and Richie here, someone like Adam McDonald has been huge for them, outstanding. But they put pace in the team. Dylan Connolly, obviously a huge player for them. But um, there's something exciting happening down there. And But I would say to you... Um, they won't want me to use that analogy or for you to use it, but it does yeah. feel like there's a bit of arsenal about them. But uh, the difference is, um, it, it, when it comes to League of Ireland, is that this is a season they can definitely build on and, and be the ones to push rovers if needs be. You feel like there's there's that there's enough youth in the Bow squad that they could be around for a number of years. It's not like it's a as we said earlier, a flash in the pan. It, this Bow's team should be around for for a bit of time if they can keep the squad together. Yeah, you would say, by and large, in League of Ireland, nothing happens for years and years and years. It's because of the nature of it. But certainly there's a two- or three-year window with this team. And again, will, will will some of the better players be picked off? They probably don't feel they need to sell as quickly or uh, as they did or do certain deals as, as they had to do. I mean, agents were looking for you know, release calls of fourteen, fifteen, sixty thousand and um you would feel that they're in such a good position now that they can offer a decent wage that will that will can counteract that. On that the the transfer stuff like Jack Byrne um staying put now after these MLS offers, but yeah. like as Stephen Brady was saying he now has the right to play down his contract and leave on a free so I mean obviously Rovers will be delighted that he's that he's staying put, but is it the right move for him, do you think? Um, f- well, for him personally, I think the MLS suits him. I think he he could be he could do really really well over there. So for him personally, it's not the right move. But that's that's like tough, Jack. You know, um, get over it. That we pay you good money here, Shamrock Rovers, and and that's life. So it's it's brilliant show of sort of strength by Shamrock Rovers. Tells you, I mean, you've got to remember you're talking about winning uh, anywhere from a million. Once you enter the Champions League, you're, you're almost guaranteed a million. Okay, so winning the league this year guaranteeing a million, and but also the opportunity to earn another five, six million between Europe and getting to a group stage. So for taking it, uh, and, and I believe the fee is hefty, but taking a fee now would would weaken the chance of earning four, five, six million. So mm. th- they've just said no. We want to remain in the Champions League next year. We want to win the league. We're keeping our best player. I'm sure they'll offer him a new contract between now and then. But um, I- I- again. 
windows and different things. It really, this was a good time from whether the windows open in the USA, come end of the season, etc. But um, it's a real great stro- show of strength from from Shamrock Rovers to say, no, we're keeping our best player. He's still young enough where he could have a great season, and then when whenever his contract is run down, you know, he could cash in himself at that stage and. Um, you know, it could be a win-win, basically. Yeah, you've got to. So, for example, if the club was willing to pay, we'll just use hundred thousand uh, to Shamrock Rovers. They might be willing to give Jack, for argument's sake, thirty thousand if that is a sign-on fee. Yeah, it's all equatable. Yeah. People yeah. can work out the percentage and figures themselves. But yeah, so that's why it suits players. You look at the Matt Doherty deal, where he's basically free agent, and that's wow, great, great. <laughs> uh, ching Thanks very much. Yeah. And, and that's that's the economics of football and letting players contracts run out. We had it at Dundalk for years. We've lost people like, you know, Richie Tell when he was, you know, huge star at the time. Daryl Horgan, Andy Boyle, uh, people like that went for. And it, it's it's a challenge. League of Ireland clubs have always had. They're starting to see a lot more of what they're calling multi-year contracts now. Yeah, and and that's like that's the risk. But they're doing they're taking those risks now from at least a more financially secure base than they would have been back in the day when yeah. shells were drawn. E- it's football economics. Yeah, let's call it spade. That's what it is. Yeah, some some you win, some you lose. Um, the refereeing, obviously, we don't want to talk about it every week. No, but we end up talking a little bit about it every week. Yeah, it it, it was. It's an interesting one because. Um, I think I think happened to be Duffer side this week that was live on TV, and there's a couple of interesting decisions. Um, um, the, the penalty decision I think was a penalty decision, and then there was an incident with, with Keith Ward and uh, Shane Farrell for right in front of the referee, where Keith Ward sort of pushes one player, and the young player pushes him back around the head, and he goes down on his head, and you're like, that's where. Uh, Duffer's comments against the referee you wonder do some of them go against him and is it time for him to go a little bit quiet now and maybe send out the assistant for a couple of interviews um, but also just shows you the experience of older players, the Dundalk players played, the Shelbourne players but then in fairness uh, Shelbourne won a penalty that was you know, w- was dubious as well but again it was a little bit of experience in, in terms of Evan Caffrey got in front of uh, Dundalk's defender but then the big the big learner for me on it was there was an incident where um, Paddy Barrett went for uh, a ball with the Shepherd the Dundalk keeper ball in front of uh, Shepherd the keeper it's debatable I don't think he had the two hands on the ball but Barrett's studs are up kind of high and you can see why the referee gives the decision but the big learner for, for me was and where you've got to be fair to referees Shepard was lying on the ground holding his head and got treatment for a head injury like mm. studs nothing was near his head yeah. so in all sports you've got to give referees a hand and yeah. you've got to call out people and say you can't go down holding your head and get like lying on the ground nearly in a neck brace and you're gone so it's so difficult for, for people refereeing but um I think I, I think on that on that game, I'm not sure. I think I think the referee could have could have given Farrell a sort of, for want of a better word, uh, an orange card instead of a red one, and and to don't be. Now he did raise his hand and all that stuff, but uh, Shelbourne got played a little bit, and yeah. that's the experience they've got to learn. And but but it's a big learning point for us. We can slag off referees and go onto social media and they make a mistake, but when players are going to hold their head. And get yeah. treatment. You've got to be. You've got to have a balance. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, everybody is always obsessed with the thing that they're most interested in, and 
it turns out there's not a sport in the world where the referees aren't under constant scrutiny and everybody goes, oh, this is shite. We're yeah. the worst. These are the worst referees ever anywhere in our sport this particular week. And well, you, you take the John Stone's goal last night. I'm still convinced. I want to see a printout of that. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing <laughs> yeah. where the ball gets kicked. Yeah, I'm yeah. Ju- I just... I'm, I'm, I know that the boot sticks out on one angle. Yeah. But, but when there's was the a different kicked? angle where the boot isn't sticking yeah. out. It, it, it felt offside. Yeah. Like it yeah. felt like the, the 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 and I don't know. I mean, and and again, it's it's to your point. It's you know you you, you hear stuff around. Was that a penalty in GEA? Was it not? All this stuff. It's it's part of the game. But Diaz, I'm not Diaz, I'm not saying you you shouldn't. Like no coach is going to say, "Will you feel contact? Don't go down." Because no, th- th- there is dark arts. But it's when players take them too far, they've got to be called out as well. And the, that's the, the balance. Histrionics. Yeah, that was always like part of uh, our football culture. It wasn't the same as the uh, continental European football culture where it was like rolling around. Yeah, but guess what? It is now. Yeah. 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 And which was best. I mean, you know, there was little aspects we could have taken from uh, continental And, and there's some people would shout at me because I... And it's funny, the best teams always are accused of the dark arts. Like, I, I was involved with a Dundalk team that people say we manage referees like... They, they, they did <laughs> yeah well you had to but the, the Dubs do it yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, if, so. if you look at the numbers so far this season Vinny so you have 14 red cards in the in the League of Ireland so far 8, eight of those straight red cards do you think there's there are diktats coming from on high from referees in terms of certain decisions or certain types of uh, incidents that might lead to red cards or is it just a coincidence um, I would say some of them red cards are just poor decisions by referees then I watched one game where there were seven yellow cards and one red and they were all justified mm. so it's it's how do you get the balance and all that there's some bad decisions but there's always been bad decisions I just I just feel that and I always you I always say that on here is we're comparing ourselves to the UK where our, our yellow card count is over five on average per game the UK is three something but actually I I and um, no referee has confirmed it to me or or, or on or off the record a referee's assessor who I generally would would see a lot of them now the way I view games um, I just think we referee to a European standard and what I mean by that is there's just different mm. UEFA rules around Europa League games and all the refs want to get to that level yeah and that's no and harm that's in the long term the refereeing yeah. slightly different and, and maybe the teams will see the benefit of that when they get to European football and they've been conditioned to behave differently do, do you ever see that yellow card and it's most frustrating for me is you know that one where that's your, your third foul yeah yeah so what? Big deal. Like I've had three fouls in sixty minutes. Like that's going to happen. They're the ones that annoy me. I feel they've gone out of the English game. I don't think they're gone out. We call it the European mm. stroke Irish game. Should persistent fouling not be? Well, depend. Uh, you know like, what I mean? Like it's, people are going to cross each other. It's like well, well if you do, I guess it's know. intentional, right? Yeah, but look, foul like. I'm someone that used to make ten, twelve fouls a game <laughs> when I played, it was, and it was a different game. Um, you know. It was different. Uh, it's a very GAA thing where you've done that foul three times and I know you're doing it on purpose and so I'm getting you for yeah. the third one even though it's actually a minor foul. It's like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Consistency. And, 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 and that's, the, that's the thing about refereeing. There's a lot of grey areas in yeah. terms of whether and something is intentional or not intentional. A fellow runs across you as you're running back. Yeah. Where did you want me to go type of stuff? And yeah. There's balance with all of them, you know. Um, well, uh, there was an interesting foul last night where uh, De Bruyne 
uh, there's a foul on him and he's like it was four on three and they're like oh that's the third time no he was saying it was four on three which means it was a goal scoring opportunity yeah. and you'd have to like well actually uh, you are Kevin De Bruyne and that is Haaland so it probably is a goal scoring opportunity <laughs> and therefore it could have been a red instead of a yellow but anyway yeah but the biggest scourge in our game at the moment in world football I would say to you is time wasting so people criticise the World Cup for 12, 13 minutes. And I was loving it. Yeah. Free kicks are taking two and four minutes. Yeah. There's a new trend in football now where players are getting injured to allow tactical stuff. You're seeing it with goalkeepers because people know if my goalkeeper goes down. I've seen it in League of Ireland games and yeah. it's so obvious what's yeah, happening. Yeah. And until someone deals with that, and, 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 and the problem is, how do you say whether someone's injured? Goalkeeper goes down, we have to stop the game. One of the things that I think about football that has an advantage over, say for example, particularly GAA, is that you could have a, a, a load of professional referees who are contracted centrally by the FAI. And this brings us nicely to the other uh, issue of the week, which is the Horse and Greyhound Fund and a story that has been running in fairness the Irish Independent. They, they, there has been uh, an independent review carried out by a firm... And it's apparently 70 pages long. I, I hope it'll be published about how the distribution of that fund, which is topping up 1.4 million, 1.4 billion in the last 20 years. And this is a story that we've covered uh, since we launched in, in 2002. The Horse and Greyhound Fund get um, guaranteed uh, in the statute books. It used to be 60 million and now it's gone up every year and it's split 80-20 in favour of racing uh, versus Greyhound racing. And the money was supposed to come from betting tax but ultimately we've had to um, contribute from the exchequer funding as well um, the story came out Eanor Reardon uh, from the Labour Party raised it in the doll and Leo Varadkar said no 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 you can't pit these sports against each other That's uh, you're going about this all the wrong way uh, Colm used the word gaslighting about Varadkar's response to it and um it's interesting, though, because they closed ranks. The Minister for Sport came out and said, oh, this is a matter for the uh, yeah. Department of Finance. And we've given loads of money to the FAI. Basically, well, shut up. Well, well interesting, because, like, imagine being able to get a panel of referees who, as you said, are full-time. Or, uh, I mean, there's so much good work on on the FAI. For example, it's at, at the moment, and they need more funding for it, but at the moment, just one tiny example of, does it does it transition year every kid has now the option to go trans year, transition year in school. So the FAI run a brilliant course for the last number of years, a lot of really high profile players. So instead of having a transition year in school where you do home ec or I know teachers will shout and say, no, it's a bit more than that, right? And you learn how to sew or whatever. Does, does it, in Dublin now, you can, the elite players are going to do the transition year based as footballers. So they're doing all the strength, working as full-time footballers. Brilliant, brilliant tool by the FAI. It's run out of... Um, I think it's fingerless, it could be cabra, but it's a, a brilliant tool. And it's so hard to get onto it now because all the elite players want to do it. And their parents are willing to say, if I had a son who was any good at football, this is a massive opportunity. So, But the problem is, I think there should be more of them around the country. Yeah. We need a bit more funding and help. It should, it should be a pilot programme that has worked and now we roll it out. But. So so all of them different ideas. And, and to come back to the main point, and, and I'm sure Dan will be in the studio at different stages. The problem... Dan's article is a brilliant, brilliant Irish journalist who does it. The problem with Dan's article is, and the problem with the way we frame the argument is, that you get the answer that Leo Varadkar gives you yesterday. Because you're pitching one sport against the other. And even though, and I'm not saying Dan, and he's very clear in his article that he's not trying to, and everyone will say, 
oh no, we shouldn't take away jobs away from horse racing. We shouldn't. The problem is we're using it. We we can use that as an example to say, look how good an industry can be if you actually fund it. So give us similar funding, even similar funding or half of that funding in football. But when you frame one against the other, then you get to to sort of mm. basically Radker said because Ed on the I believe is a big Pats fan. He basically said, just go away, and I imagine and I know the FEI are in the background trying to develop uh, communication lines with the government where they're showing them different things and they probably aren't looking at looking for this bit of noise at the moment that we are, are talking about but we do need more funding it's just by pitching this argument against it I think actually mightn't help us as if, and I'm not saying that's right that doesn't help us because did you hear Varadkar's answer yesterday he basically said what, we all, what I felt he would say is no, they do a great job. They do this, and and he's factually wrong about, as you can see, about the Deloitte report is basically saying you can't count people that are working in betting shops as working in the industry. Mm. But we have to frame our argument as football people better, and that's why I do say things like, don't ask RTE to turn up and put them on top of a chipper van. We we have to frame it right, and it becomes partisan basically. Uh, they, you're, you're, you're splitting the you're splitting the two industries and, and maybe as you say pitting them against each other, which isn't good for either. Yeah, uh, Jer's not. I don't think he's agreeing with me here. I don't agree with you, right? Okay. And, and I'm also bleeding, so that's uh, not a great. This isn't going to look great on telly. But um, I, I think that actually sometimes you just got to rattle the cages. I think that football football deserves to stand on its own two feet, and I. I I buy the central thesis of the argument that if we're going to take money off the gambling firms, then some of that should go to football in in a proportionate in a proportionate way, which will be twenty percent of the funds. Now, I, I get your point that you have to live in the real world, and the politics of this is going to be very interesting to see. Um, what, what does Sinn Féin think about this? Because they're the ones who are going to be in charge of the Department of Finance well, well, inside the next couple well, of years. Well, where where Varadkar needs to wake up and read the room and and smell the coffee is that you take Talib for argument's sake. And I don't know about you, I think I'm at an age where I love uh, election counts, whether it's USA, Mm -hmm. England or Ireland, right? Sit there all night. And so many seats, so many elections are decided on a couple of hundred votes here and there, okay, across the world. There's 7,000 people in talent now every Uh, week. Leo Varadkar got in the last count the last time himself. Right. So if I was a politician in talent, for argument's sake, I'd have a billboard on the side of the pitch of Shamrock Rover Stadium. So can I, can I just say I, I, I've been all around. All the Fianfall politicians all have uh, in Dublin. All have so uh, I was in Castleknock uh, and I've been in uh, where uh, where's the other one out there in the Navan Road? Where's uh, Paddy Andrews? What's his club? Anyway, somebody somebody remind me. Yeah. There's um, there's a local Fianfall politician right there, so they know the game. Yeah, yeah. But that's the GAA, and they're they're in bed and embedded. With that, and I just feel like football could do a little bit of find your people within the organisation and go. Why are we getting the same money? If this money is coming from gambling and lots of people are betting on football, yeah, then give us some of that money. I so think that's fair. Dundalk, four and a half thousand, three and a half thousand people. Are, the loud seats are, 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 are swing either way. You can go away, Cork. I'm saying. One, if one politician does it, like there is people like Charlie O'Connor who does, hasn't run as a TD recently, you see, always see him in Tallow with his Rover stuff, and there's a bit of there's a bit of politics behind that. He, he fell out with the GAA lads because he he was nice to the to the soccer lads, right? But the, <laughs> the point I'm making is, we, yeah, we have to do it, and we've to, and I think the FEI are trying to do it. From what I'm hearing, and it's very quiet. They're trying to sort it, come up 
the nice way. I understand. And you have too. to build um, trust. Trust within government, and people have to understand that. So, uh, again, uh, by the way, Dan's article is a brilliant read, and it's fascinating, and it's it's obviously really good journalism. I'm just saying, I'm only trying to make the point is we can't. It's it's like people come in and go. Do you ever see those assholes who are in Dublin Airport every Saturday morning? What are you giving out about them for? Yeah. Like, stop. Yeah. Stop. We'll, let's do, actually get them that they love Haaland or Ferguson and Hoban or yeah. Jack Bourne, whoever. They're, they're actually your, your people. You just yeah, haven't convinced and, them yet. And, and so I don't know. I'm just saying a huge amount of money. We can be really, we can, we can like be so good at this sport if we get funding. And yeah, I, the I, huge I, benefits. Uh, I've brought it up before. Sorry. Yeah, think of... The local guards and the FEI run a na- late night league in. I'm not going to mention the area. Crime will drop by 45% to 50% on the night they run the league and they run it for six weeks' windows. Sport and soccer can help society. Government need to see that and you need to give us money to do it. Not just at elite level and then um, and help like soccer sisters. Last Easter, the FEI had. Coaches everywhere. Soccer sisters throughout Easter was brilliant. And that the knock-on effect for that is women's football in this country will improve and, yeah. and, and different bits uh, and pieces. Participation levels go up, the cost of health goes down, more people stay in education longer. Mm-hmm. There's like mad knock-on impact. And I'm, I'm not saying it should just be soccer, but I do think we do need to revisit the horse and greyhound fund. The greyhound industry does not deserve the support that it gets from the Exchequer. It has not been able to stand on its own two feet. Its track record is not great when it comes to uh, safety issues. They keep saying that they have fixed all those and maybe we'll talk about that again some other time. But, but is it okay to say football, man? That's that's their argument. Yeah. Let's have us yeah. our own argument. That's, yeah. No, And you're uh, right You're right about getting your own house in order as well. It just it feels like one of the things stopping the house getting in order is that there's no political support and the political support won't come unless... Uh, and Varadkar's comments are where yesterday I thought they were a little bit dismissive of soccer. Maybe Castlenock isn't a hotbed of, of, of soccer um, and it's more GEA, but that's not good enough either to just to dismiss the, the argument that Aidan O'Ridden was making. Le- Le- League of Ireland, Irish Football, FEI deserve a bit more funding and I hope the back channels are working. Well, we'll come back to this for sure because um, it's definitely really important. Vinny, good stuff. Thanks, Thanks a very much. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.